Hello, Rebecca Mays here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. I want to acknowledge that this program was recorded on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. This episode of Stick Together was produced on Jarjarwarung country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. It is brought to you on your local community radio station thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Reflecting on the events of the last month with vaccine mandates, roadmaps, lockdown fatigue and so much more, the pandemic continues to reveal some big issues with our current social system. The lack of communication and consultation from both state and federal governments surrounding decision-making has raised questions about our democracy and whose interests are being served in the long run. Are we really all in this together? If you've been listening to Stick Together since the start of the pandemic, you can see the evidence does not support this idea. For example, some businesses are making huge profits from changing consumer behaviour due to lockdowns, and rotting the federal government's JobKeeper scheme. Many companies are using COVID as an opportunity to further change working conditions and job security in their favour, leading to forced redundancies and further casualisation of the workforce. The federal government has announced that disaster payments will be cut off when states reach the 80% double-dose vaccination target, as if the economy will magically return to pre-COVID conditions overnight. Thousands of people will go from disaster payments of $750 a week to poverty, living on job seeker payments of just $350 a week. After hearing Auntie Viv's experience of the recent protests in Melbourne on my last show and listening to CFMEU members talk about the industrial context surrounding the protests on Annie's show last week, this week fellow Stick Together producer Jackson spoke with Tom Tanuki about how unions and workers got mixed up with anti-vaccination and anti-lockdown politics. But first, some union news. On Friday, the Sydney Morning Herald reported that a set of fake unions with links to current and former Liberal and National Party figures are capitalising on anti-vaccination fears to recruit doctors, teachers and nurses and exploit dissent within the labour movement about mandatory vaccinations. Queensland-based Red Union claims nurses from Victoria and New South Wales are flocking to join its associations, which it says are adding more than 200 members a day amid fears of vaccination orders. In New South Wales, Liberal Party member John Larter is setting up three workers' associations to compete with established unions for allied health, policing and paramedics. Red Union director Jack Maguire will not say whether the associations are for or against coronavirus vaccines, instead saying they want to uphold the law and represent their members. Mr Larter, a paramedic who was suspended from work after expressing views on vaccination and the pandemic, argues existing unions have abandoned their members by not fighting against public health vaccination orders designed to keep Australians safe from the coronavirus. None of the new associations challenging vaccination rates are registered as traditional trade unions, which means they lack the same powers to represent workers, but they avoid strict oversight from industrial regulators. The Queensland associations, which operate under the umbrella organisation Red Union Support Hub, began with the Nurses Professional Association of Queensland in 2014. 
Several of its leaders have previously held positions within the LNP or been members of the party. In recent months, Red Union has branched out, unveiling the Nurses Professional Association of Australia, Teachers Professional Association of Australia, Professional Drivers Association of Australia, Australian Medical Professional Society and a soon-to-be-launched Police Association. It also began to focus on opposing rules from some states requiring all workers in high-risk industries such as healthcare to be vaccinated. Two of the associations for nurses and doctors have started a fundraiser online to fund legal challenges to vaccine mandates that has taken in more than $26,000 in donations. We are opposed to the mandate for the COVID-19 vaccinations and believe that nurses as medical professionals are far more capable than politicians, bureaucrats and so-called public health officials of making informed medical decisions relating to their own bodies and how they will protect their patients, the Red Union run fundraiser says. Australian Council of Trade Union Secretary Sally McManus has warned people to be careful of the organisations. These are fake unions run by LNP members and their associates set up to try and divide working people, Ms McManus told the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. This amounts to an LNP-sponsored anti-vaccination campaign which will directly and needlessly cause working people to contract a deadly virus. States and territories, including New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland, have increasingly employed vaccine mandates for essential personnel such as aged care workers, healthcare staff and police to keep those people and the often vulnerable Australians they interact with healthy. Although Red Union does not broadcast a blatant anti-vaccine message, its leaders have repeatedly cast doubt on coronavirus vaccines by emphasising that they are in a trial stage and saying further testing needs to happen. Gerard Hayes, the national president of the Health Services Union that represents tens of thousands of workers nationwide, accused the new associations of grandstanding on vaccines in an attempt to gather attention while hiding their political connections. It's cowardly and it exemplifies everything you wouldn't want to do as an industrial body, Mr Hayes said. An industrial body that stands up and fights for its members doesn't do it under a disguise. He said members should listen to the experts on vaccination. I think these guys should fly in a plane where the pilot picked up his licence on YouTube or some kind of social media channel, Mr Hayes said. Mr Maguire refused to say whether the Red Union associations were for or against coronavirus vaccination, instead arguing the associations represented their members' views. We have more of an individualised approach rather than just these broad sweeping statements, Mr Maguire said. Australia's medical authorities, from the chief medical officer down, have repeatedly reassured Australians that the coronavirus vaccines being used here are safe, effective and have been thoroughly tested here and overseas. Chris Moy, the vice president of the Australian Medical Association, said employers should have a right to dismiss healthcare workers who refused vaccination because COVID-19 vaccines reduce transmission of the virus that could kill patients. It's not reasonable for a health professional to be posing a greater risk to patients who are vulnerable, Mr Moy said. I don't think the community would accept the health profession not getting vaccinated when we're asking the community to get vaccinated to protect themselves and those around them. Overwhelmingly, Australians have supported vaccinations. About 90% of nurses have been vaccinated in Queensland and aged care staff are also almost 100% jabbed after state and territory governments introduced mandates nationwide. But Mr Maguire dismissed the ACTU's criticism, saying the established union movement was letting its members down by not challenging vaccination mandates. 
He said associations linked to Red Union were entitled to call themselves unions because they dealt with issues such as unfair dismissal and pay negotiations on behalf of their members. The use of the term union is not restricted by law, but earlier this year the Queensland Industrial Relations Commission found the Nurses Professional Association of Queensland was not an industrial association or a trade union under the state law. The ruling is being appealed. Red Union says there has not been sufficient consultation with workers by health authorities about vaccine mandates. The strategy has been hugely successful for the Red Union associations, which now claim more than 10,000 fee-paying members, with more than 200 people signing up each day, mostly among nurses. It is still a tiny number compared to the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation, the largest union in the country with more than 280,000 members. Unlike the Red Union Associations, most of the Labor movement supports vaccination mandates backed by public health experts on the basis that they are best placed to assess the risks and benefits of Australia's safe and effective vaccines. They oppose mandates from individual employers. We cannot be distracted by other agendas. Vaccination is the key to overcoming this pandemic, said Queensland Nurses and Midwives Union Secretary Beth Moll in a statement. In New South Wales, Mr Larder has started a string of organisations similar to the Red Union Associations in the past month. They are the New South Wales Paramedics Association with more than 100 members, the New South Wales Allied Health Association now approaching 600 and another for police in a nascent stage, none of which have much more presence than a Google form to join and posts on Mr Larder's social media. We feel that the union movements have essentially abandoned the grassroots customers, he said. They're not speaking up. Mr Larter, who is a Liberal Party member, Deputy Mayor of the Snowy Valleys Council and has been an active Australian Paramedics Association New South Wales member, hopes the new organisations will help provide plaintiffs in the case he has launched challenging the New South Wales Government's vaccination mandate for paramedics. That case is before the Supreme Court. The New South Wales Paramedicine Council suspended Mr Larter's registration on September 20 after he began expressing his views on vaccines and the pandemic. In a statement, a council spokeswoman said confidentiality provisions prevented it from saying why Mr Larter had been suspended, but noted suspensions are allowed for the protection of the health or safety of the public and public interest. Mr Larter plans to challenge that and believes he is not anti-vaccine. I'm not deterring anyone from having it, Mr Larter said. All I'm saying is it's a personal choice. Mr Larter, who is very critical of the Berejiklian government, said his associations had no ties to the Liberal Party. Both Mr Larter and the Red Union Associations say they are not party political groups. The Red Union Associations say they are non-party political alternatives to other unions that are cheaper but provide all the same services. Many private sector unions are affiliated to the Labour Party but public sector unions such as the nurses are not. Though they may campaign on policies or issues that they believe will benefit their members and are backed by Labor. Although Red Union does have some nurses in leadership roles in its nurses group, many of its most senior figures have ties to the Liberal National Party. The Nurses Professional Association of Queensland was founded by Graham Haycroft, a former labour hire firm operator who has boasted of battling the Shearers Union, established union-free construction sites in Queensland and was chair of the Liberal National Party's Industrial Relations Committee. 
Mr Maguire said the Red Union Associations contained people with a range of political opinions, including Labour supporters, and its associations were bound by constitutions preventing them from offering financial or in-kind support to any political party. Whatever the background of the Red Union leaders, they are recruiting members who would otherwise likely be paying dues to a traditional union, but feel alienated by their stance on vaccines. Ms McManus said the following. The Australian union movement is fighting to keep working people safe and to stop misinformation, which will cost working people their health and their lives. You're listening to Stick Together, worker stories and union news, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Many unionists and supporters were deeply concerned late last month when protesters converged on the Melbourne offices of the CFMEU, damaging union property and assaulting the organisation's leadership. The event triggered some days of protests across the city, featuring some confused demands and increasing violence from both protesters and, of course, police. The CFMEU secretary, John Setka, was quick to appear on national news services to denounce the actors as largely not union members and as have been infiltrated by extremists and neo-Nazis. Yet first-hand accounts of the protests, such as that of Red Flag's Ben Hillier, made clear that some union members were part of the protesting crowd and that the lockdowns and particularly vaccine mandates were recurring issues. Now, we're lucky today to be joined by comedian, YouTuber and cultural Marxist Tom Tanuki, who has long made a habit of closely watching the far right, alt-right and conspiracy theorists that often populate and orchestrate these anti-lockdown protests. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Thanks so much for having us on. Now, Tom, I'd say you have your finger stuffed in the fault line that runs between the bedrock of jocular Aussie masculinity and the growing ulcer that is far-right organising in this country. Why do you think the all-Aussie tradie is susceptible to being groomed by the far-right? It's such a good question. And, and, you know, and it was such a difficult discussion to have, you know, on the week that those protests were occurring because you couldn't actually talk about the conspiracist or the far right or whatever elements there without remembering that you also had to talk about the fact that there were legitimate unionists there. And yet, vice versa, there's actually no point talking about one element without the other. And that's what I suppose makes it a really interesting uh, series of protests to to look at. I, I think that Every subculture, every industry, every uh, scene, every, you know, subset of a union's domain, everywhere is susceptible to to the messaging um, of conspiracists. And indeed, looking at what they've been doing over the course of the year, they have been targeting different sectors. You can look over the past month, they've 
changed, you know, those of them who are the guide in the world would be manipulators of other industries of the conspiracist and anti-vax and anti-lockdown scenes have been pretending to be truckies one minute, pretending to be nurses the next. Today, they're pretending, you know, as the date that we record this, they're pretending to be teachers, um, you know, and of course, some of them have been pretending to be tradies as well. But there is nonetheless, it's undeniable that uh, at least on the first day, and also certainly on the second day, that there were at the start of it CFMEU members. We know that for a fact. So again, I say they're not the only rich recruiting soil for you know fringe types, for kooks, for grifters, for conspiracists. But construction, I think, absolutely suffered from prominence in the pandemic and even just lately, a limelight. Plus, I think what's really important is to note that they and this is specifically looking at the CFMEU, there was a complete lack of overarching direction from that institution that could have prepared them over the course of the past 18 months. Setka didn't do that. John Setka washed his hands of it, you know, and they might disagree with that sentiment. But I say he only ever posted about how it's up to you to get the vaccine. Yeah, we we support it in principle as a voluntary measure. We support voluntary vaccines and so on and so forth. Now, it's all good for you to say, for Setka to say that he doesn't support, you know, being strapped down and forcibly injected. But we know this kind of rhetoric isn't about that and it doesn't have that impact. It actually comes across like an abdication of authority from the union in taking a stand of its own right. And I'm talking away from government mandates. I don't want us to personally, I don't want us to wait around. I know that this government has a proclivity towards issuing mandates on vaccines and doing nudge policies because that's what they've already done with infant vaccines for years. But what we need is institutions that we can trust, like our union to take responsibility for for groups of us, like for example, for you know the CFMU and its workers, mm. and I mean, I mean, to to talk about the the culture with the in the CFMU, I mean, someone like Ben Schneider's for the Age wrote, uh, you know, who writes writes a lot about the union. He spoke recently in the Age about this culture of victimhood and and, and the kind of anti-authoritarianism that even separates it from the rest of the unions, the rest of the left. And that's probably fueled by Setka's own victimhood and separation from the rest of the left, you know, uh, owing to allegations, you know, the power struggles within the CFMEU, the widespread allegations, you know, the very public allegations of assault against Setka. And so Setka has this kind of garrison mentality. And I think that's, that's, that's spread out to the rest of the union. So... Yeah, it is interesting, you know, that you say the anti-vax and anti-lockdown movements have had dalliances with pretending to be health workers, recently dalliances with pretending to be teachers, but the instance where they tried to have a faux health workers union rally, no one really showed up. Um, You know, and and even, you know, back before the pandemic, you know, organisations like the UPF and, um, you know, Aussie Patriots have been trading off this kind of, I don't know, this jocular, hyper-masculine, uh, indiv- rugged individualist, you know, important a bit of that from the US. You know, I think there's a bit yeah. of it from what Howard did with the jingoism around the Anzacs and the flag-waving patriots. It's all kind of coalesced. And I have seen, you know, friends within the 
construction industry, surprisingly, you know, who are progressive on other issues, say, you know, it's my body, my choice. If this was yep. a if this was a woman's abortion, we were talking about, you'd all be with me. But I don't think that um, mandatory vaccinations are that um that threatening. Isn't it akin to wearing a seatbelt or driving under the limits or putting a bike helmet on? Isn't it just about community safety? It's a really good question, isn't it? You know, where do we actually stand on on vaccinations and mandates? My concern is that mandatory vax policies do, like nudge policies, do entrench opposition to it. And I wonder to myself, are we there too early when we could be expecting, not that the government mandate these things, what other collectivist institutions do right now. This is why I think we need other institutions who are not the government to take firm stances instead, like unions, like the CFMEU. You know, who is the body that we would want to look to for direction in a public health crisis? I say it should actually be each other i say it should be people who for work at work for example we can trust to prioritize our collective safety that's got to be unions doesn't it yeah that was the the first thought to me a union prides itself on creating safe workplaces you would think that having their workforce vaccinated is a long way towards making that workplace safe now one thing i wanted to get your take on is you know there's been a lot of uh, consternation in the media about the makeup of these protests, like who all these people are and what brings yeah. them together. And, and you've been looking at this for some time. So I wonder if you could, for our listeners, with your knowledge of the way the alt-right organises online, yeah. why are these wellness bloggers, big pharma sceptics, QAnon junkies and white supremacists, why do they keep finding common ground? The common ground in, in some of the attitudes among the rank and file, for want of a better term, of those conspiracist movements is there's a, certainly a common thread of the concept of medical libertarianism, almost the reappropriation of ideas like my body, my choice, applied to issues such as abortion and the like, but reapplied to things such as a public health crisis that does require a collectivist response. But they are generally shaped and given form and certainly activist direction by like a ruling caste, who's constantly changing. These faces are constantly changing, but of, you know, sort of anti-lockdown, or freedom influences and and they're the people who make the decisions to for example start reappropriating union rhetoric because they can sense a bit of weakness there so there was a period about a month ago in terms of what, you know, what actually happened and how did this come to be how did you know anti-lockdown figureheads start targeting the union movement well i believe it all began with a you know uh, with a figurehead called Tritty tricky so he's up in Queensland. He works for Queensland Rail and he's actually a member of the TWU. And I have heard that he might have been really pestering them to take anti-vax action for some time. But nonetheless, he's a union member, but he's also an anti-lockdown freedom movement figurehead. He runs an anti-vax group called the People's Revolution. And he also has a telegram channel, I believe, I suspect it's him, called Events Broadcasting Channel. And he was the first person to post a rally a month ago. And it's a pretty funny rally flyer. 
Luke Hilakari, a few other people all had to come out and say this is not a real union, you know, union rally. But actually, if you look at the flyer, there's several unions on there, like United Voice, that don't even exist in that form anymore. You know, it names unions that aren't unions. It's got it all wrong, you know. It doesn't make any sense. But that that was first there. And the date of that rally, it didn't end up panning out, but it also coincided with the outdoor tea room actions that happened just before the anti-lockdown rally. So that kind of brought unionists into the spotlight and brought the subsection of unionists at those rallies who might have actually thought that they were there at those rallies railing against all government restrictions. And from there, you had Harrison McLean, another influencer, you know, top-tier person who shapes the will of these these events. Harrison McLean was quite shrewd in detecting that it was time to start going all out of the union stuff and whether or not and this is what I believe I believe there was a subsect of the CFMEU people who were always going to attend the CFMEU quarters and decided to do that then when he heard about it he decided to turn it into a channel-wide thing. So his Melbourne Freedom Rally channel, which has huge, you know, it's one of the core Australian anti-lockdown channels. And he said, everyone go here, we're high-vis. But I think the important thing is that the union's weakness exposed them as right for these kind of meddling, fake actions at the anti-vax room. And he's getting increasingly good at doing. And any other industry, if it doesn't make a firm stance, it's going to be, you know, it can be targeted next. It doesn't just have to be construction workers. But as you said at the start, there's something about construction workers, the whole agro, butch, hetero-masculine, let's go, boys, aspect effect there and i think that there was something in that you know this is a movement that really really plays on like visible tropes and and sort of uh uh protest as a as a social media spectacle and uh the high vis was obviously quite similar in appearance to the famed yellow vests of not too long ago. And I think mm. that's probably these things in the mind of people who are very spectacle inclined, you know, and think that virality means rightness, you know. Mm. I think those things made it a bit of a tinderbox, you know. They all sort of channeled into the energy of the yellow vests and, and there you go, you know, they, they went pretty wild. And next thing you know, they were singing horses on top of the Westgate Bridge. But it is it is interesting, isn't it, from the um, the famed yellow vests, through through to this this co-opting of kind of leftist rhetoric you know that we saw with the hashtag stand with truckies you know yeah we're gonna we're gonna shut down the country so that we all don't get a vaccine that's for community health you know like it i think you've kind of just nailed it there i was going to ask you about how do we respond to this constant co-option in the left but it, it is about leadership it's about being extremely clear that vaccines save lives but I've talked us out of time. Thank you so much for joining Stick Together today, Tom Tanuki. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Jackson from the Stick Together team for his interview. And thanks to Tom Tanuki for taking the time to speak with us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377 and leaving us a message. 
Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. I'm Rebecca Mays. Catch you next time.